This is the Thoughtful Travel Podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Kendall of the notaballerina.com travel blog. Every episode, I'll share travel tales from several fellow travel lovers, and together we hope to entertain and inspire you, remind you of some of your own great travel experiences, and encourage you to hit the road again soon. Hello and welcome to episode 269 of the Thoughtful Travel Podcast. Today's topic is working in tourism and travel. I've got three different and interesting angles, people who work in the tourism industry, but from different approaches. I think that for lots of people, the idea of working in tourism and travel probably sounds like a bit of a dream job. And I think many people who work in it uh, well, pa- pandemic stress aside, let's say, uh, would agree there's lots, lots of, um, you know, lots of good to be had from working in such an industry where it's, you know, generally about a, uh, a happy, joyous occasion. But of course, no job is all good. And so I wanted to talk to a few people about the different kinds of work that they do in the tourism and travel space. I've been collecting these chats for a while and finally got to put them all together into this episode. So what I have today is three uh, chats with three women who all do different jobs in in the industry. So Bev is a travel writer. Shelley works in the publicity, the um, public relations side, and Lucky works in hospitality in hotels. So quite different, but all of their um, roles are very important in uh, how we come to learn and experience travel. So I hope you find their stories interesting and um, in Bev's case, possibly uh, quite hilarious. I laugh a lot. I I apologize in advance for all that laughter you'll hear. But Bev's stories at the end, I'm starting off with Lucky. Now, you may remember Lucky Legon from episode 254 about migrating to Australia. So she moved here to Australia uh, from South Africa for work. And initially, she worked for three or so years, three and a half years, I think, on the pretty remote uh, kangaroo island of South Australia. So we were chatting about what working in hospitality and tourism is like. At the lodge, I mean, we had people from all over the world as well, um, which is, you know, one of the best things about hospitality is meeting people from all over the world and all different walks of life and just, you know, learning from them. And you'll always learn something from anyone. So it's it's just getting to know people and, and learning really interesting facts about them and their lives and things like that. So um, that was that was just really one of the highlights, really. Um, of being there. We had a very good, solid team there. So that was, yeah, really good highlight there. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I think um, working in a job like that, it's a little bit, uh, it's a little bit like traveling while staying in one place, I guess. Exactly. Exactly. uh, Yeah. Yeah. The people are coming to you instead. Indeed. And the remote living um, offers the uh, opportunity for people to, you know, get to know each other when in, you know, just in general living, they really wouldn't. So it kind of forces people to get to know each other because you live together, you work together. Um, you just always know each other's really. face. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> There's no one else for at least 45 minutes or so. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Oh, so it wonderful. forces people to actually get together and know each other. So, yeah. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh no, I bet. What an yeah, what a, a, an interesting way to migrate. Yep, like, and different. exactly. That's three and a half years on Kangaroo Island, and then unfortunately in January, Kangaroo Island experienced those terrible bushfires, mm-hmm. and um, unfortunately Southern Ocean Lodge was um, impacted, and that was a, a a very scary thing to go through. Very, very scary thing to go through, and um, it it. Obviously, it impacted uh, Bailey Lodges. It impacted everyone who works who worked there, um, and it was just uh, uh, you know one of those things that happened to you in life where there's really nothing you could do to stop it. Um, no matter how prepared you know we were, it was just one of those nature act of God that it's natural disaster that you can be as prepared as you want, but sometimes you just, there's not really much that you can do. No, um, especially not in a remote location like that. There's really, yeah, yeah it's just very, very unlucky really, isn't yeah, it? There's absolutely. Nothing, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. A lot yeah. of, it, it dev- that fire was very ferocious and it devastated mm. um, two thirds of the island. Mm. Um, so um, unfortunately that happened, but on the positive side, I guess for me, I was I was already heading up to Lord Howe Island, anyways, and um, I was only supposed to be there for a, for about a few months, six months, mm-hmm. uh, and I was just supposed to second there. And then, uh, you know, due to the fires, I just ended up staying at on Lord Howe Island, and that's why uh, I'm there. And it's mm-hmm. then once again another beautiful piece of paradise that I. <laughs> that I yeah. live at, you know. Describe a bit. Describe for my listeners a little bit what Lord Howe Island is like. Uh, Lord Howe Island is unlike anything you've seen before. Such a beautiful, beautiful place. Special, special place. It's it is it's paradise. I mean, a lot of people have described it as a paradise because it is. It's only uh, what fourteen point fifty five square kilometers. Wow, it's not a very big island. Tiny. Very tiny island. Um, one of the biggest features of Lord Howe Island is uh, Mount Gawa. Uh, that's the 875-meter uh, mountain right. that everybody wants to climb uh, except me. And um, <laughs> Have you never climbed it? No, and I, I really have no intention of doing that. <laughs> is it hard work? It is a very difficult climb. It's a challenging climb, but right. everyone who's done it says it's completely rewarding. And I, I, mm. you know what, my fingers, you know, thumbs you up to them. You can just look at their pictures, surely. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I am always very proud of them for doing it, but I just think that mountain is beautiful to look at. And, <laughs> and that's enough. <laughs> I just, I actually have no intention at all and no desire whatsoever. <laughs> Uh, to climb it but uh, you know Mount Gawa and Mount Lichbird is the mountains that are just right next to each other and it's one of the most it's a prominent feature of Lord Howe Island but along with that it's it's amazing for its coral and diving snorkeling uh, excellent marine life just beautiful marine life they you know it's mm. one of the most amazing places to go into the water because you know they don't have an issue with stingers or anything like that so there's no irikanji or box jellyfish in the water and um um they 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 aren't there's no snakes on the island or anything like that and it's just really it's it's just really one of those places that you can just be completely free you know when you're in the water or when you're out hiking um there's just there's heaps to do and it's it's just really beautiful the the very beautiful the people there are great as well so yeah Wonderful. So that's so I'm really enjoying Lord Howe Island. I'm enjoying it a lot. Um, yeah, you know. 
Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, wow. Um, yeah, and it's amazing that you've ended up here in Australia in two very, um, very special places. That's and you right. never really intended to come here at all. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, basically, um, so uh, a mate of mine, we worked together uh, at Singidish and we met James Bailey, both of us. She got she uh, got offered a job here, and a year later, I got offered a job here. And I just thought, well, I mean, look, I mean, why not? Why not? I mean, at that point, um, we'd been working in safari uh, for quite some time, and I also felt like it was time for a change. Right. And um, I just thought, I mean, why not? It's it's there's an opportunity to travel, to go to a new country, and see what's going on. I would definitely take it. There's no, there's no if ands or buts there. It was just a very good opportunity, and you know what? I've been here now for um, five years, and um, it's uh, <laughs> they can't get rid of me. <laughs> <laughs> well, after hearing some of that uh, discussion from Lucky, you might want to do what I did, which is to plug Lord Howe Island into Google to just see the kind of beauty that Lucky is talking about. So um, imagine, you know, that's uh, her workplace. Wow. I uh, think that there's definitely some big advantages to that kind of a job. So I'm sure there's some downsides, but <laughs> it just uh, does sound quite delightful. Now, my next guest today is Shelley Winkles. Uh, Shelley's worked in publicity for Tourism and Events Queensland for many years. In fact, I first came across her many years ago when the pro blogger blogging conferences used to be held in Queensland and she was um, involved in um, in the events connected to that. And we have crossed paths oh, many times since. She's even run a media trip um, that I've been on to Fitzroy Island off Cairns a few years back. She is an absolute professional at what she does and a lovely person to boot. So I asked Shelley about, uh, well, kind of the good and the bad of working in the tourism space. I've been in tourism now for about 25 years. It's something that I always was passionate about, that I fought in the beginning. Uh, you know, when I graduated, I wanted a serious job and my perception of tourism uh -huh. was a back then that it wasn't serious. So I worked in, um, you know, I was working in the food industry exporting, for goodness sake, stabilizers and emulsifiers into Asia, believe it or not. Well, that does sound very serious. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I, it was completely at odds. So I, a job came up to work for a company then called Australian Resorts, which owned Badara Island Resort. Lizard Island Resort, Dunk Island and a couple of others. I ended up taking it and the day I landed on that job and I was based on Dunk Island, which at that stage was absolutely gorgeous, a, a tropical rainforest island off the coast of Queensland. Um, and the day I landed, I just knew that I had found my vocation and career. I just, something happened and it all gelled and, and, and you're constantly selling happiness and promoting happiness and it's a nice place to be. I mean, who wants to work on the serious side of life when you can work for, for something that, uh, you know, is sunshine and happiness, basically? Absolutely. Holidays. Absolutely, yeah. I yeah. mean, we all need more of that in our lives. It sounds exactly. way more fun than um, emulsifiers, I have to say. <laughs> so, yeah, I've done about 25 years working in tourism and always in publicity and PR and corp comms, the same kind of communications roles. I've also worked overseas for about 12 years um, and got to live in some phenomenal places, again, promoting tourism uh, aspects or the hospitality industry. So, yeah, been very, very lucky with my role. Whereabouts have you lived overseas, Shelley? Oh, are you ready for the list? Hell oh, yeah, go for it. You make me really jealous, but I'll listen. <laughs> 
So the first place was Japan. I lived there for four and a half years. Um, I started off as a high school exchange student, went back after university and worked on Actually, I worked in a hospital of all places. Ooh. Oh, interesting. <laughs> and then um, I lived in the US in the lead up to the Sydney Olympics. I took a, a team across to promote uh, the Sydney Olympics to the American market. Then to Hong Kong for two years. I worked for Tourism Australia. Then over to Malaysia. Then I swapped and I worked for a FTSE listed company. I worked for Hilton Hotel, uh, sorry, Hilton International at that stage. And I looked after a big area, Middle East, Asia, Pacific. So I'd be anywhere from Egypt to New Zealand. Then I got transferred to Hilton in Europe and Africa. um, And I was based in Switzerland. And oh, sorry, I forgot Singapore in there as well. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that does sound tough. There's some really horrible locations in that lot. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no apologies. Uh, no, no. And why not? Because you do a good job. So um, you deserve it. But there must be also some downsides. I mean, I guess it's not always, um, you know, sunshine and beaches, is it? No. Um, the role I have now is is quite Um, sunshine and beaches, so to speak. But in previous roles, for example, with Hilton International, I did the full gamut of um, PR from corp comms to brand reputation, internal comms. So we did have some, I I used to handle a lot of the crisis comms and and that actually was quite hairy scary, uh, particularly at the time. We did have one of our hotels um, in Egypt get bombed and quite a few deaths. So yeah, for six weeks around the clock, handling a lot of media inquiries and setting up crisis hotlines. That was a particularly stressful time. Also having to, you know, even in Queensland, so to speak, the, you, you do feel the impact of things like cyclones and fires where you know the operators, you know how much their livelihood depends on people visiting and you can't help but, um, you know, be working extra hours to help them and to try and promote when resilience and bounce back. And that's one of the things that Queensland is phenomenal. Uh, the Queensland tourism industry is just absolutely incredible. They get knocked down, but boy, do they get back up. At the end of the day, uh, I talk glibly about this sunshine and happiness, but underlying all that, it is an absolute revenue driver and a great um, employee uh, employer in Queensland is critically important to our state. And I get no bigger buzz than if I can put the spotlight on a small operation and they actually, the phone rings, somebody goes and visits as a result of a story that I've helped to create or a television show that's gone in there and filmed and they get more bookings. I get a huge buzz out of that. So I love that you know, there's all the, the the awareness, but at the end of the day, if you can convert people to get in there and, and experience Queensland, then I've done my job and I'm super happy. Well, I must confess now that Shelley and her influence over the years has definitely made me put Queensland higher and higher on many of my want-to-visit um, itineraries. So uh, she's doing her job very well. Now, my final guest today is Bev Malzard. She's a very experienced travel writer and veteran of many media trips, and um, or we call them familiarisation trips or famils, and we got to talking about famils, and Bev had a particularly hilarious tale to tell of a famil in Spain. When we're taken away, we are incredibly privileged. You know, there's no such thing as a free lunch, though. We've got to come up with the goods. Um and we are fed. We are 
to me, we're overfed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was in Spain on the most one of the most marvellous trips where I actually broke up with Italy and I took up with Spain. You know, I <laughs> fell in love. I fell hard for Spain. Mm-hmm. And um, we went, we were tasting jamon, iberica, every day. Right? It was just exquisite. So in Spain, they don't have much of a breakfast, just a little, you know, bit of toast and a coffee or something, but very late lunches. And um, so this day we had a lunch about 2 o'clock, and it was a lunch that included steak and fish and soup and dessert, you know, <laughs> right. a lot. A full a lunch. Lot of food, a big lunch. So, yeah. And this lunch went on till about 4 o'clock, and I could barely move. And... <laughs> We went for a little walk. We were in a, a medieval town and um, we went for a little walk around and I'd said to our host, I said, oh, there were three of us actually, uh, one other journalist and um, this wonderful PR lady, and um, and I said, can we just have a little dinner tonight because we had they'd organised for us to go to a very fancy restaurant. I said, just a little dinner, maybe one course or two courses max. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, so we, we you know, we rocked we rocked up to this restaurant about 6.30, so there's about a two-and-a-half-hour gap between lunch and this. I was hoping you were and going to have a 10 p.m. dinner or something, no, but no. Well, they yeah, they normally do. And Because um, I once said, you know, what do people do? They have lunch and they're just sitting around and to this bench man. He says, you know, we have a little talk and a little yolk. I said, oh, yolk. He said, oh, we like to tell little yolks. Oh. I said, oh, okay, so I should be doing that between meals. <laughs> anyway, we had, came for the meal and the woman brought out um, little hors d'oeuvres to taste and kept on, you know, pushing them on us. Then there was a prawn, some sort of appetizer. Then there was some pate. And at this stage, I just felt my eyes rolling back in my head. And I, yes. thought, I think I'm going to be sick. <laughs> then they brought out um, some hamon because he was showing us how they put it on a certain – it's got its own implement for slicing. Uh-huh. And so we did that and we had to taste his hub on. So we had all this. Then out came a shoulder of lamb each. Now, I'm the biggest sucker for lamb. I love lamb so much. Um, but? <laughs> it was sitting there and I thought, oh, what do I do? And I actually I did – I think I did put it on Instagram. I put the plate as it arrived and the plate when it left. I skinned it. I ate it right down. It was so good. And it was just, you know, it was just being a guts. You know that thing where you can't swallow, you can just chew? Yes. I was like that. It was so perfect and cooked all day. And afterwards I said, I said to them, we've got to go. I can't, I can't, you know. There's no space left. Sick. Something's yeah. going to happen to me. Yeah. But no, no, they brought out a little bowl of fruit and I said, okay, had a little bit of fruit. And we're just about to get up and say, thank you, thank you. And they put out a big bowl of this kind of chocolate mousse with cream on it. And I said to the girls, I said, I can't cope. I can't cope. And, and I said, we have to eat this because they're watching us. So yes, so that's right. There. Yep. So when they turned around, I grabbed the linen serviette and I scooped the whole lot into the serviette, wrapped it neatly and quickly pushed it into my handbag. <laughs> And so I had an empty bowl and I just ate it. Go, mm, okay. Ooh, yeah, 
yes, yeah, gracie, gracie. And the other two are looking at me. They're eating a bit. And I said, shut up, shut up. <laughs> so I waddled back to the room and I had time, you know, I just managed. I was delirious, delirious with fullness. Yeah. And I had, I went back and I cleaned my teeth and I just passed out on the bed in my clothes. I was so, <sighs> you know, food coma. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so the next day, you know, we had yet again, we had to get up early and go somewhere, and have the shower, got ready, blah, blah, blah. And we got into the, a vehicle and I was sitting there and I put my hand in my handbag for something and the serviette had opened up a little bit <laughs> and my hand went into the box, you know, great mass of, you know, this moose. <laughs> Standing there, you know, and we've got the the local dignitary in the car, and I go, oh yes, it's, oh it's so beautiful, blah blah blah, and I'm trying to shake it clear of my hand, and and I'm looking at um, it was Larissa De Bicky, I think from Melbourne. And I'm, Has anyone got a tissue? <laughs> so quietly, you know, I'm sitting there with my hand, looking at the window, turned around, licking my hand to, so I could appear normal. But, uh, you know, that's that's the trick. That's what you do. When you... <laughs> Except you then have to remember to dispose of it before you next go I out. Know, I oh, know. No. I mean, yeah, there are a lot of mistakes we made with food. And it's you know, it's so hard saying no when you're away. Oh. I'm sure there's people who can just – and I, I've been on a trip where someone just kept on saying no, 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 and they were fit and healthy and very thin. No one liked them. But... No, that's the problem. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm jealous of the, yes, yeah, the fit, healthy and thin version, but but also, like, uh, I really think it can verge on being very impolite, especially if you're on a famille. I mean, right. you know, they're looking after you and, I mean, yes, I wish their itineraries didn't include often three full meals a day because at home I'd never do that. But, um, you yeah, know, you kind yeah. of, it's very hard to to say no. So, <laughs> Oh, it was a wonderful trip, wonderful oh, food, fun. wonderful company. I love this story from Bev and um, I too have been on trips where I'm so, so well looked after that it does become kind of a problem. Um, but like Bev said at the start, we're super privileged to be able to to uh, have those experiences and uh, I know I've um, been lucky to have uh, some, you know, really special, special trips through my work. So um, I have never... <laughs> this day I have not had to hide my dessert in my handbag and um, I hope I never do but if I do I'm sure I will remember Bev's story and not leave it in there the next day so I pledge this now so that's all I have for you in episode 269 of the Thoughtful Travel podcast I hope it's been an interesting insight into various parts of the tourism and travel space Um, a big shout out to my guests Um, first of all I chatted with Lucky Legon and she's from the Bailey Lodges group um, baileylodges.com.au I'll also leave a link in the show notes to her first appearance which was interesting at the um, episode about migrating to Australia uh, episode 254. So you can just find that by going to notaballerina.com slash 254. A big thanks also to Shelley Winkle from Tourism and Events Queensland, which is teq.queensland.com. 
And lastly, a very good, very big thank you to Bev Malzard for her great story, her uh, great honesty. Um, you can find out more about Bev's travels at her blog, travelgaltravels.com for Travel Gal on the Move. Don't forget, of course, to come across to our Facebook or LinkedIn groups. Uh, just search for Thoughtful Travellers in Facebook. For the LinkedIn group, just come to notaballerina.com slash LinkedIn and that will redirect you there. And all of these links and stuff will be in the show notes. For this episode, you can find them at notaballerina.com slash 269. As always, thank you so much for listening. This has been another episode of the Thoughtful Travel Podcast. Show notes and other information are at notaballerina.com slash podcast. Join me again soon for another chat about why we travel. Bye for now.